Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Oh, good. Too Stupid Thursday, Chuck. Welcome in, man. Guys, how's it going? Man, it's, it's going okay. Uh, we Again, we got some basketball we'll discuss with you first. But uh, Dean Weber, uh, unfortunately, and Matt's been kind of telling us off air, he hasn't been in good health for a while. 50-plus uh, years with Razorback Athletics, 416 straight football games that he was on the sidelines at the athletics trainer uh clay told us some great stories yesterday chuck i'm sure you have a uh, one or two you could get into at some point well you know dean was a remarkable man uh there'll never be another one like him i had an office by dean for close to five years in barnhill um in the i guess starting around 2008 somewhere around in there it's been a it's been a while but um you guys know that you know, if I spend more than an hour in the office, I mean, something's wrong. I, I, I'm just not an office guy. But Dean made coming to the office really the highlight of my day. And, um, you know, we were pretty close. And I loved him. And a lot of people did. And, you know, it was yesterday for me to hear all the outpouring and, and the things that people said and the difference that he made in their lives. You know, you rattled off a lot of numbers there, Ty. And I got to be honest with you, I've known Dean a long, long time. I didn't know that about the straight games. I didn't know all the, you know, people who quoted numbers. I didn't know any of them. He was just my friend. He was just a good guy. And I never even thought about that. Uh, he was a great trainer. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone um, who has the relationship with former players that Dean had. And when you see that relationship, you realize the relationship between the trainer and the athlete. And you realize that it goes so much deeper than just the body. I mean, it's as much the mind as it is the body. You're training the mind the same way you're training the body. And um, Dean was the best at that. Um, Man, I'll miss him. I'll miss him. I'll just miss the phone calls. You know, Dean would call and, I mean, you talk for an hour at least. And, um, but you felt better about the world after you hung up. And, um... Dean had a knack for making people feel better about the world, and, and everybody that was in contact with him is going to miss that. What a gift. I mean, um, you know, we'd all love to be able to connect with other human beings on the level he was able to. Um, and it probably just comes back to empathy and caring. <laughs> you know, but that's the problem. Most of us don't have time or take the time or or uh, just have the, 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 the personality makeup like he did to, to connect the way he did and care about people as deeply as he did. Because like you said, the player connections, um, I, I, Gerald Skinner, the late Gerald Skinner was a, a, a lineman in the seventies. Great relationship with Dean Weber years 
you know, years after he played. You know, Matt Jones. I mean, we go, you could go through every era and you could find a player that, you know, the, the Darren McFadden's. I mean, we're just picking out a handful here that still kept up and, and uh, had, had those phone calls and what you're talking about with Dean, you know, decades after their playing days. Well, I've always believed this, and, and I believe it more now than ever. Kids know when you care and when you don't. Players know when you really care, and they know when it's just lip service. And Dean really cared. And beyond that, and I know this from having worked with and been around several former players, a lot of those guys feel like as soon as they walk off campus, they're forgotten. And sometimes they are, um, unless they got money to give. And um, (laughs) Dean always kept in contact with those people. We've had players, and, you know, we celebrate the successes of our former players, as we should. But not everybody's been successful that played for the Razorbacks. Dean kept up with them, too. And a lot of those guys would probably tell you a story about maybe a card from Dean arriving with some money in it. Or, you know, when guys were really down and out. And I mean really down and out. Um, Dean was the one guy that cared about him. I mean, when they were 40 years old. You know, and um, if you played for Arkansas and you were part of that football team and Dean worked with you, you were you were part of his family for life. And um, he was really remarkable in that regard. You know, listening to the phone calls, listening to the conversations, really enjoyed hearing Matt give his personal perspective because they had obviously a very close personal relationship. I think Dean was as much mediator as he was trainer. He'd be the mediator between the coach and the athlete, or maybe between the assistant coach and the head coach, or maybe between the administration and, and the group of coaches. He he was kind of a go-between or a li- liaison in so many ways. He ran the program for the better part of 20 years. The players and the people inside the department know this. Dean ran that department. He did everything but coach the team. And um, he handled travel. He handled everything. I mean, he, he handled everything. He was the director of football operations before there was a title. He did it just in addition to being the trainer. He did it for free, if you want to know the truth. Um, but uh, Dean ran the show. And uh, there was a time, the players will tell you this, <clears throat> with the exception of the head coach and Coach Broyles, obviously, there was nobody with more stroke in that athletic department to Dean Weber. Yeah. If you fell on Dean's bad side, whoa be to you. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, if you were on his good side, you were there for life. Now look, Dean was not always a warm, fuzzy guy. It was tough love. But they knew that he loved them. And when they know that you love them, you can say anything directly to them. And that's the way Dean was. He was the resident curmudgeon in his final years, and he felt like he'd earned that, <laughs> and so he enjoyed it. And uh, But I'm going to tell you, um, Dean loved people, well, and they loved him back, I, and um, we'll miss him. I remember coming to your office in one of the few hours you were in it in Barnhill and met Dean, and, and I only met him a, a few times, did not have the, the relationship that we're describing he had with others, Did it's just met him in passing a few times, but I... I quickly learned this, and I wasn't the, benef- the beneficiary of this, but you explained it to me, and I got to see it firsthand, even though it uh, it didn't turn out for me the way I wanted it to. If you wanted some swag, if you needed a shirt, if you needed some sweatpants, or you needed anything that had that logo on it, 
he he had the keys to the to the kingdom there. He he, he was the gatekeeper in the day on on all the free swag. You know, it was a little different back then. Um, I don't know that they made you log everything back then, or if they did, <laughs> Dean knew how to log it to where everything looked okay. But it's uh, <laughs> it's not quite like that now. Everything's got to be logged, and it's not the sweetheart deal that a lot of people think it is. Back in the day, it might have been, not so much now. But, yeah, Dean was, you know, and, and, and look, players tell stories about, you know, and it's hard to imagine now in the pre-NIL days, but they didn't have any money. Um, you know, a player might not have the money to buy his parents. Sean Rochelle told this story about how he, you know, he was a GA and he didn't have any money. And he, Dean asked if he'd bought his parents a Christmas present. And he said he didn't have any money. And so he said, well, let's go shopping. And so they go in there and he, you know, gets some Razorback gear for his dad and his mom. And, and he was just, he was that kind of guy. He, um, you know, he had a sense of knowing when, when you needed, when you needed him. And uh, he was always there. Even Dave Van Horn, as we close down this conversation, even Dave Van Horn had some things to say about Dean, which, again, met him as a player back in the day and knew him in the athletics department. I've known Dean since I was a player here, 1981-82. I mean, Dean, I just have a lot of memories of him because we all were in the same area up there in the Broyles Center, football, baseball, everybody. You know, it was football's area, but we were all in there. We didn't feel comfortable in there all the time. Didn't want to be in there getting any treatment but dean he took control of that room i mean he you could hear him snapping around and popping off and getting right back with those young guys and getting after guys he didn't feel that should be in there and just you know his career spent so many years here at the university of arkansas and you know was finished up in the foundation and he's always been a big fan of, of baseball here and he'd come by and we'd talk a little bit every time i'd go by there we'd talk and he'd always want me just to come and sit in his office and uh, we talk about the old days for a little bit but uh, just it's super sad, super sad to see someone that we all loved, and, and he loved this this university and this athletic department, you know, uh, pass on. When Dean was inducted into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame in Little Rock, I guess it was 2018, uh, I emceed that night, and um, I'll never forget that. You know, Dean gave a speech that brought the house down, as you might imagine. But um, the players will tell you, and, and I say this with love in my heart, he was the trash-talkingest old man that ever lived. <laughs> I mean, he could give it right back to those kids. And um, that's why they loved him, because, I mean, he spoke to them. People know when you're talking at them and when you're talking to them. And he talked to them. Um, he might smart off to them, but he would made sure, you know, that their mom had what she needed. And uh, um, he was just that he was just that kind of guy. And I can tell you that, you know, when you walked into his office, I mean, there's, you know, he and Dean Smith were pals. Yeah. You know, he came to Arkansas from North Carolina. He tells the story about how Bill Guthridge was moments away from being our basketball coach as opposed to Eddie Sutton. He knows the whole story. And uh, because he was, you know, he was from North Carolina, knew all those guys. And uh, just a wealth of information administrations change in college athletics and we've had two changes um you know coach Broyles to jeff long and then to hunter um i don't know candidly if dean's value was ever fully recognized by the people that came after coach Broyles, and i say that i don't i don't i don't mean that critically it, it, it's just how the world works i don't know that his value to that department was ever fully appreciated by the people that came after Broyles, but um there was a day when there was not anything 
that happened in Arkansas athletics that did not go through Dean Weber. And those that have been around a long time know that and respected that. And Dean was an icon. Um, you know, I had an office next to him, as I said. I can't tell you the number of times I sat there and thought, my God, Dean Weber's over there. Or you'd walk by his office just on an afternoon. McFadden would be in there. Um, you know, some Razorback great, some kid that was my idol when I was growing up. They were just pals with Dean, you know, and, and um, they always came back. I don't know that I've ever seen a former player have a relationship with his old trainer the way McFadden did with Dean. I promise you, Darren McFadden cried this week, and uh, they were uh, they were tight. Well, I mean, if there's two more legendary players than McFadden and Matt Jones, I don't know who they are. Matt loved him too, and, and Matt, Dean loved Matt. Yeah, and I, I, you know, since Matt's been working with us, I, I can't count them on my two hands. The time. Hey, I, I can't. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave here. I need to do the show from this location because me and Dino are having lunch, or I'm yeah. taking Dino to dinner. I mean, a dozen. Dino had time. regular meals. Yeah, Dean had regular meals with former players, and yeah. they weren't just the stars. I mean, he had certain days. I go eat lunch with this guy, or I go eat dinner with this guy. We do this every week, and it wasn't just like most weeks. It was every week. Yeah. And uh, when you had an appointment with Dean, you had an appointment, and you better be there. And um, But just a – I won't say a lifetime of memories for me, but having worked there and been around him, I didn't – you know, obviously didn't play, and the players had relationships with Dean that the rest of us don't have. But, again, for me, he was just a friend. And, uh, man, I'm going to miss him. You mentioned Sean Rochelle, who uh, I know you work with on the on the Learfield side some, and him and Dean were exceptionally close from their days at the foundation and going back to his days as GA, and I know they had lunch on a regular basis. I don't think I sent Sean a – I consider Sean a friend. I sent him a just a condolence text yesterday, and I, I don't think he'd mind sharing what he returned – me sharing what he returned. But he said, Dean is iconic in every sense of the word. The world will be hard-pressed to find another who impacted so many lives – he was a true giver. And I think that's well, the, the essence of who Dean absolutely. Weber was right there is what Sean had to say. Well, let me say this. Um, I hope at some point in my life I have someone that's as good a friend to me as Sean Rochelle was to Dean. Um, Sean was as good a friend to Dean as a man could be um, right to the end. I mean, right to his last day. I think they had lunch and, about uh, every day, you know. Yeah, well, Sean was with him a lot um, toward the end. And, um, and look, there were a lot of people, Coach Hatfield, Lewis Campbell. Uh, there were a lot of people that were there uh, regularly uh, to see Dean. I think they kept a list and um, our book, and it's full. Um, it, was, uh, it was a pilgrimage for some people to come see Dean before the end. I mean, it really was. Now, they're going to have a celebration of life around the uh, spring football game. Yeah, April 18th, the reason, I think it is. Yeah, the reason they're going to do that is because, uh, now, you know, Dean, Dean had it mapped out. I'm not going to get real personal here, but Dean had it mapped out how he wanted it to go. And uh, it was written down. And um, he didn't want, you know, he knew the players would come in. I mean, he knew a lot of people would come in. And I uh, didn't want him to have to come in twice. So let's just, you know, if it happens at a certain time, let's try to do it around the spring game, you know. And... Um, so it's happened at a certain time, and thinking of others ahead of game. himself and his own. Well, yeah. I, I mean that's that's kind of the essence of Dean. Yeah. And so, um, 
but I don't know that unless you've really been around it, I don't know that it's and, – and look, there are people that work there that I don't think understand it. Um, the relationship he had and the outpouring that's going to happen when they have that service. Anybody that ever put on that uniform that can be there will be there. Yeah, and I know uh, they have endowed a scholarship for athletic yeah. trainers, and mm-hmm. I bet if, if they want to raise a dollar or a million dollars that weekend for that endowment – uh, that that former group of players probably uh, can can well heal that endowment as much as they want. You think about this. This is a team from 1979. You think about this. These are guys that after their playing days pooled their money. And I'm in an endowed scholarship. It's not just, hey, let's pay for this kid to go to school. I, I mean, it, it goes on into perpetuity, uh, theoretically anyway. And um, they fund this scholarship each and every year in the name of their trainer former players they're under you know they could do it if they wanted to certainly under no obligation but they did this to honor dean and um i've heard him say many times that's the greatest honor of his life well that's uh it's something again you don't see nationwide or across colleges the impact that someone leaves but again 50 plus years in the athletics department it's really hard to him and Broyles would be the only two. I don't know if anyone Phil, else. Phil was contemplating that yesterday. I mean, you think about someone, Frank, of course, has been, it was around for forever. But you think about someone that, again, started basically, I mean, I, I mean, three-fourths of his he life was well, in Fayetteville. Dean Weber's career with the Razorbacks may have been longer than Coach Broyles, if you, if you think about it. Well, he was here, um, he came here sure. in the early 70s. Yeah. You know, came here in the early 70s. And, uh, um... You know, both were over fifty years, though. It was hard to imagine um, life without. You know, it was hard to imagine there would be life in that athletic department when Frank Broyles went away. Um, but there was, and life's gone on. And um, it's going to be hard to imagine that athletic department, that campus, without Dean being there mm-hmm. for me, um, because he's just. And anyone that knows him knows, I mean, he got to the office at 5, 4.35 in the morning. He was the one that turned on the lights and turned them off at the end of the day. And uh, um, that's just how he was. He, he, he left the role of he, – he wasn't actively the athletic trainer – was it? I guess when Petrino came in, was that when the, the change was somewhere around? That there? was when the change happened. Yeah. Uh, now, 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 he did some things on the periphery with football for a couple of years. He was not the trainer per se, but um, he did a few things here and there. Um, but now, I will say this: uh, anyone that's ever worked in that department, um, anybody that coaches a team, when Dean was there. Um, and they knew of Dean, and they had a relationship with Dean, they might call him up and ask him. And anybody that worked in that athletic department, if you had an ailment, you called Dean before he called the doctor. Because Dean could tell you what the deal was, and he'd tell you who to call. My guess would be every day there was somebody in that athletic department that said, hey, Dean, man, my my shoulder's been hurting. Or, you know, Dean, my wife's ankle's not feeling real good. Or my kid did this. And Dean, you know, what happened? You'd tell him, and sometimes he'd say, well, just bring him by. I'll take a quick well, look at him. I'm glad you brought that up. We had two calls yesterday. I think one was on halftime, one was on Ruskin and Zach. A UPS driver stepped off the curb, and <laughs> he called his buddy. It's like, hey, let me call Let me call my friend Dean. And so you got this UPS guy 
that goes to the Arkansas Athletics Department and Dean fixes him up. Then you had a high school kid at Fayetteville that busts his ankle or something and one of the trainers like, hey, I want to make sure and called Dean and he looked at the high school kid. So you're spot on with that, Chuck. That's just... I heard those two or three just, other stories. Yeah, just, and those, just were, like just, that, those yeah. were just a couple calls I heard yesterday. I, I think Dean was probably Coach Broyles and his family's, you know, darn near their personal physician um, <laughs> for a number of years. I mean, Dean diagnosed everything, and he was pretty good at it. Yeah, and we got yeah. text in here. So Mason is a younger Arkansas fan. He texted on the McCarty-Daniel hotline. He said, I didn't understand the impact that Dean had on our program until... The last couple days, it's truly fantastic to hear how everyone said how amazing he was. It sounds like we should all strive to to live and love like Dean did. My exactly condolences, right. Woo Pig. So I, I, I get, nowhere else in the country are they talking about a trainer that passed away the way we have with Dean. Yeah, he's royalty in our state. And I again, he was uh, he was one of a kind. And that's I, for sure, Chuck. I I know this is a this. It's never easy talking about someone at their. They're after their passing, but I, I do appreciate you and and Clay kind of sharing some stories on this because, like Tommy said and I said, we don't have them, so it's it's enlightening to our audience this morning. Someone that's actually worked hand in hand with them to a certain capacity. I do know that, uh, and it was heartening for me yesterday. I will tell you, and I I, I didn't listen to all of it, but I I listened to a good bit of it, and um, I loved hearing people tell those stories. I thought it was fantastic. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. We got a great text from Ryan in Prairie Grove. We're talking about experiences and different uh, vacations and trips. Ryan says, Ty, married with three kids at our age, a once-in-a-lifetime experience is going to Sonic on Friday. Well, I-, I can tell you, when Laura and I get a chance to get away like we did last weekend, we just want peace and quiet. You know, it ain't always about the hustle and bustle of the game. I mean, sometimes you just want to rest. So I get exactly where he's coming from. 
All right, let's talk to our friend Tom Murphy here on the Morning Rush with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hog Sports. Tom, we will get to the basketball game in, in just a bit, but I first want to ask you about Dean Weber, who passed away earlier this week. Uh, you've worked uh, in, for Whole Hog and Arkansas Democrat Gazette since the mid-2000s. You've probably run into Dean once or twice. Do you have any memories of the late Dean Weber? We've gotten plenty this week. Yeah, good morning, guys. Always a pleasure. And, yes, I do have memories. When I first got here, it was Houston Nuts' final season, Darren McFadden's final season, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis. And I was struck by how um, how closely, uh, you know, how, how good friends that, that McFadden and Dean Weber were. Like, it was amazing to me. And I come to find out that, you know, I, in talking to various folks in the last couple of days, uh, a lot of people felt that way about Dean Weber because he just had a way. Now, now sometimes his humor was, you know, a little bit out there. And uh, as, as I pointed out in what Darren said in the paper today, um, what, I, what did he call it? Um, Non-PC uh, uh, humor or just yeah. something like that. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, and, and yeah, I did a, the story on him when he was inducted into the, twin, uh, the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame in 2018, and um, just it, I, I felt like we were buddies after that. Um, and he would call me every once in a while, you know, about how do you, how do you get in touch with a certain guy? I would I would get in touch with him sometimes if I was trying to reach people for stories. So um, I don't know. He just had a way about him that you felt close. And uh, when you see all the things that have been posted online about him. Um, if you come to understand, I mean, talking to Kevin Trainer at length yesterday, um, everybody felt that way and that, uh, he was at Catherine's place, uh, on Weddington here the last few months, you know, in and out of the hospital. So I'm in a stream of folks to come see him. Um, he bridged all the generations of Arkansas athletics from the time he got here in 1973 up until now. And, you know, there's something to be said about his role in, in doing that. And, and obviously the third longest serving U of A um, employee behind Frank Broyles and Norm DeBrine, you know, that, wow. that tells you yeah. something there. And we were, I'm glad you mentioned that actual stack because we were kind of mulling that over yesterday where he was on that list. Now, it, I think it's interesting. So you bring up the late Frank Broyles. Norm, of course, is still around. Uh, Dean's no longer with us. How do you think the U of A does in terms of blending in past regimes and past generations with the current one? What would you grade them on them doing that? Not just with athletics, but in situations like this. Well, you'd ha- you'd have to know like how other schools in the country like do they have long serving individuals to do that kind of thing? And when you think about the, the reunions that Arkansas, the Letterman reunions and the, the spring. Um, reunion they put on in football, the amount of work that has to go into that, Dean was, you know, you know, intimately involved with making everyone feel special and to come back to campus. And, and I would give him a very high mark in terms of um, in doing that, um, grading them against other programs. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do it. But um, so I, I was even talking to Kevin Trainer out like, who's going to fill that role? And Kevin himself is a guy who now can bridge many, many generations. Like he, his brother came here to kick in 85 and, uh, Kev, Kevin came to campus with his brother, met Dean at that time. And then, you know, Kevin came to school and really started working with Dean around 1990. 
and they've been close ever since. So, um, yeah, that that's an important role, and it's some, maybe sometimes not as uh, you know uh, appreciated or under publicized, but um, it's a huge deal. And coming back to campus, you know, why you come back to campus and what you do when you come back to campus are, are important things. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Tom, we got Dave Van Horn coming up in about thirty minutes with us here on the show. They open the season tomorrow, four game stand against James Madison. Uh, from your vantage point, from your seat, what's important in these first four games uh, for Arkansas as they get ready for the trip to Arlington? Well, good on you for talking today, Ben. When you when you talk today for twenty minutes, you you get enough insight. There's some coaches you could talk to for twenty minutes and come away going, "Well, he didn't really say much." Uh, Dave Van Horn, you might get 40 minutes of information out of that 20 minutes. Um, I, I think, you know, understanding that the rotation you, that you've set up is, is what you want to do, and that will play itself out, obviously. Um, uh, you know, the, the batting order is a big deal. Uh, will Hudson White, the catcher at leadoff, work out for you in the interim while you're waiting for Peyton Stovall to come back? Uh, what does the defensive alignment look like? Jared Sprague lot at third. Is that your best option? Peyton, Peyton Hold at second. Um, and then um, integrating the freshman pitchers, like what they've seen from the fall and then um, preseason practices out of freshman pitchers, very, very impressed. Can they go out there and do it um, on the mound? Um, Dave always likes to point out that teams that, that want to schedule them, he, he feels like they know what their roster looks like. they they got some veteran guys. And so he thinks James Madison is going to be a really good test for them. And so um, I hope they get all, get all four games in. I've been checking the forecast, uh, and it looks okay. But I think Friday, the 3 o'clock start, when you get on into the evening hours, it's going to get a little colder. And so Davey even hinted yesterday at uh, the possibility of maybe moving that opener up. But haven't heard anything on that front yet. We'll see. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Do you expect this team to be more – led first by pitching or, or, or be a more offensive team throughout the, this year? Well, the folks who do this on the national level look at Arkansas and see a team that's got balance in their lineup, you know, between right, left-handed bats, power, a uh, little bit of speed. Um, and so I think they feel Arkansas is, is going to be a pitching and hitting. You know, they'll be able to score runs, hit home runs, um, move, move runners, and that there's a, a lot of pitching. Now, you know, last year we went in saying, and, and Dave even said, he thinks it might be the deepest pitching staff they've ever had. Uh, and then the injuries really challenged that. And so this year they feel like those freshman pitchers, if they fill certain roles and, you know, they get the things they expect out of guys like Cody Frank and Will McIntyre, um, that they're going to have a lot of you know, starting depth, uh, real good long guys, and then closing right now. But, and that's another thing I would bring up. Um, they're not sure they necessarily need a designated closer. I mean, they could do matchup things at the end of games. So it's just going to be fun. Uh, and for Arkansas fans who love their baseball, um, after the football season the Razorbacks had and, and now the, the direction basketball's taken, I think having a, a winning baseball team that, that kicks them butt is going to be uh, enjoyable. You mentioned the pitching there, and I know Bybee's still dealing with the hammy. Mentioned Dave mentioned another guy yesterday. I'm forgetting that's uh, coming off the injury. Do you, do you expect Smith, Tiger, Molina? Do you expect them to get six, seven innings consistently from them this season, based on the amount of baseball they played? 
Well, I mean, you're talking about more like four or close to five uh, for, you know, opening weekend, obviously. But, um, you know, in previous talks during this, the preseason, uh, Dave Van Horn has said there's going to be games where he goes out and tells Hagen Smith, we're pulling you. And it could be four and two-thirds, man. But he goes, we need you for the end of the season. I mean, they, you, you assemble a roster for a reason with depth and – you, you got to set up your season. So when you reach May, you're starting to peak. And, um, you know, they want Hagen to be able to go the long haul. So I think we're going to see a lot more six-inning outings. And he's got to do something about being more efficient with his pitching as well. Um, you know, some of the preseason stuff, he'd get two outs and, on six pitches, and then he'd wind up with an 18 or 19-pitch inning. Um, that happened in SEC play a good bit. And Molina's pitch efficiencies got to improve or we won't see many seven inning outings from him. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out, but they want to, they just want to keep those innings manageable. So when postseason hits, uh, their pitchers are still going strong. Tom, I know uh, shifting gears to basketball, I know Muss had to manage a bunch of things last night. They improved in some areas, got some steals, hit some three-point shots, but then they turned the ball over and allowed 48 points in the paint. Uh, short break for this team. How do you think they respond in Starkville on Saturday, coming off a similar situation to what they had to deal with heading to Baton Rouge a couple weeks ago? Uh, well, if I'm being honest, the odds are stacked against them in a lot of ways for Saturday. And Eric Walsman pointed that out in his post game that why couldn't this game have been played on Tuesday? And um, if you're playing a team that's coming off an open date, uh, why can't you get them at home? And things like that. So, um, yeah, Mississippi State's going to be well-rested. Certainly LSU looked like a different team. That's been their best performance in weeks that they had against Arkansas. Um, so I would just say that Mississippi State is a physical – they have only they were only out-rebounded once um, up until the other day. I think Alabama out-rebounded them. So they've been out-rebounded twice. And uh, that's going to be a thing for the Razorbacks being physical enough to hang with Mississippi State on the road. Um, you know – Listening to Rick Barnes in the post game, uh, their game plan was to, to was to try to eliminate the pick and roll and not let them complete passes to the roll guy, because Arkansas is really good at that. Um, and he speculated that Arkansas might not have completed a pass to their roll guy because their defense just showed great discipline being in the gaps. They actually wanted Arkansas to shoot three pointers and said, you know, we would withstand if they start out hot early, which Arkansas did because we're just going to keep doing what we do. And, and then as the game wore on, Arkansas three-point shooting um, got worse. They only hit two in the second half, and, you know, you saw what the outcome was. Tom, appreciate the conversation. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch up next week. All right, outstanding. All right, Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. Chuck, let's come back to the schedule and what Musk talked about with you uh, in your post-game interview with him and then again with the media um, the fact that Mississippi State coming off the bye, that Arkansas plays late on Wednesday, now they have to travel. Is is this something the league should look into? Is this something if we looked at the rest of the league schedules, we'd find other examples of? Uh, or, or, or is this just, uh, hey, season hadn't went the way you want, so you're kind of picking at threads here? Well, I think that might be part of it, but I don't think it's the overwhelming part of it. I, I think he's right, and I would imagine – in fact, I feel pretty certain that that'll be brought up when the coaches have their meetings, I guess, in the spring. I asked him on his radio show a couple of weeks ago, you know, surely there was some discussion among the coaches, 
And he said, well, if it happened, I missed it because uh, um, it was not you know, brought up when they gathered. It's, um, it's a little bit unusual. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be overly critical because I don't understand how they did it. Now, you know, maybe that's part of the problem is it's not easy to understand. I don't know. But it does seem like that, you know, sometimes um, it plays to your disadvantage. Now, having said that, you know, Arkansas had their bye week and Georgia played during the middle of the week. I don't know that that was the reason for the outcome of the ball game. Tom cited the LSU game down there in Baton Rouge. LSU, hey, they looked like world beaters that day. I don't know if it was because of the week off, or I don't know, frankly, if it was because you know they were playing the Razorbacks and Arkansas has not played well this year, particularly on the road. That might add something to do with it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, going into last night's game, I mean, there were uh, eight regular season games remaining, and three of them were over the next seven days. So, you know, by the time we get finished with the ball game Tuesday night, I mean, the you know, a good chunk of that eight games is gone. And so, um, you know, you're, what, three and nine right now? So um, three and eight, you can start doing the math. Um, you know, Mississippi, State's, Mississippi State's tough. And, you know, that's why beating Georgia was important because I think looking ahead you knew that, this was going to be a tough week because these are the two most physical teams in the league, probably. And um, I think we saw as the game wore on last night, Tennessee took advantage of that. And that's been Mississippi State's MO2, particularly at home. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. This team just had too many weapons last night, and you held down. I mean, Ziegler didn't have, I would think, a great game. Viscovi didn't do anything last night, but uh, between Connect, Ganey, and Adu, it was just too much for Arkansas to handle and didn't have enough firepower on the offensive end to really contend in the second half. Just not as good. Period. End of story. Arkansas is not as good at t- as uh, Tennessee basketball right now. When when one team has four scores that are equal or better than your leading score, you're going to lose every time. That's that's just and how it works. Mark had the, I think the highest. What he had twelve. 12, 12 and that was yeah. the highest. He was the point. only player in double. Figures. Yeah, that's yeah, the whole. I mean, you're going to lose every time that happens. I guarantee you. Yep. Uh, baseball wise, I know we're excited to catch up with Dave Manhorn in about 15 minutes. He had a press conference yesterday. It lasted about 20. If you didn't get a chance to listen, you can go to hitthatline.com as well. You wonder, hey, what does the starting rotation look like for this weekend? He said. We'll go with Hagen Smith Friday. We'll go with Tiger Saturday, Molina Sunday, and Colin Fisher on Monday. And how many years? Maybe never I've been able to tell you a rotation. So hopefully we'll stay healthy all year and we'll be able to figure this one out. Well, what happened to old TBA? Did he get fired? I mean, what? Is his ERA too high? What happened to TBA, Chuck? TBA's in the transfer portal. <laughs> I'm used to that's, seeing that's, TBA that's, every time to end a series. That's one you're not sorry to see go no, right there. No. They've, uh, man, they've got a lot of depth. 
I thought it was interesting to listen to Tom earlier talk about, um, and I'm I'm sure he's had more conversations with Dave Van Horn than 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 most. But you know how there may be some times early in the year where they pull a guy, where later in the season in a more meaningful game uh, they might leave him in there. You know, I think about Smith and Tiger. You know, they've been around a while now. I mean, they should be at the point. I think they are where they've got a chance to dominate and. By dominate, I don't just mean making a hitter look silly. Uh, but like what Tom was talking about a little bit earlier, how efficient are you? Um, you know, when, when when you get the first two outs of the inning on four or five pitches, um, you know, can you, can you get the third out in a hurry, too, and maybe make it a nine or ten pitch inning? You still might get them one, two, three, or you might put a guy on with two out and nothing happens, but you've thrown 20 more pitches. Right. So, um how efficient can you be? That, to me, is a dominant pitcher. Yeah. Not just a guy that goes out there and, and gets people out. That, that, that sounds you know, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit strange. But um, to me, you can get people out and still not have a dominant outing. But I think these guys, I've not seen the guy from Texas Tech pitch, but um, I've seen these guys pitch, and... I think they are poised to have great seasons. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. they've been around a while. I mean, as a true freshmen, they instantly impacted that season. The oh, yeah. season when you went to, again, you got as far as you did. So you're hoping that uh, in their final years that we expect them to, to leave after this season, that they can, again, have a really good run as starting pitchers at the one and two spot. You know, Tommy's kind of making a joke about TBA, but I'm going to be interested to see when we get into conference play. The guys who on Thursday, the coaches who can tell you maybe Tuesday, all right, these are our three weekend starters. Those are probably the guys that are going to finish up near the top. The guys that are saying, hey, we're going to we're going to get through Friday and go from there, um, they're not always the ones that finish up yeah. at the top. Johnny Holstaff isn't always the path to Omaha. No. Now, sometimes you can do it. And, and look, Arkansas has got a lot of depth. And... You know, if Dave didn't think or any coach didn't think he could still win the ball game, taking a starter out after five or six innings if he's got it rolling, uh, he wouldn't do it. You know, if he didn't feel like he had guys on the back end that could put that thing away, he wouldn't make the move. So it sounds like they've got a lot of depth. And it's going to be, you know, now you've got to shuffle through that because those are the guys that are going to be getting the final outs in the biggest game. We'll have it's a guy. Be the guys coming out of the bullpen. We'll have a guy that knows a thing or two about complete games with us tomorrow at six forty-five. When Scott Tabor joins us to talk about the season uh, today, that, that's I don't record. think he could throw a complete game now. No, no, not with two days rest uh, in between innings. But uh, but I think he had twenty-nine complete games in his career. That's that's a record on the hill that will never ever ever be touched. You're probably right about that. I can't imagine a situation where it would be. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Sparky. Good baseball games this weekend. 3 o'clock on Friday, one o'clock, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and then 12 o'clock on Monday. We'll have, we won't have Saturday's game because of basketball, but we'll have most of these games on these ESPN Arkansas stations and hit that line.com. All right, to the McCarty Daniel hotline we go where Brian in Ozark wants to talk some SEC basketball. Brian, turn your radio down and join us this morning. Uh, I'm here. So well, I just had a couple que- or a question. It was actually basketball, last football. 
I noticed that Arkansas has increased the price of their tickets for both, you know, especially football. And I don't understand how they can possibly justify doing that. I mean, to go to a, a game for two people is now $400 for one game. Depends on where you That's sit. Do what? It depends on where you sit. It's not the entire stadium. That's it's 400 bucks. That's uh, not very good seats, I'll say that. I mean, that was like in not like the lower part of the upper rafters. I looked at them yesterday. They got to start at $194 a piece on up. And what my point is, I'm looking at what Arkansas is doing, raising their ticket prices when there are other SEC schools dropping ticket prices because they would rather have a full football stadium instead of a whole bunch of money. I mean, they're going to get a whole bunch of money anyways, but I just, I just don't understand how you can be four and eight and expect someone to pay 400 bucks for two people. Well, that's, was, that, was that single game or season? If you're talking about the upper that deck, they're not charging 200 bucks for upper decks for a single game, Brian. That was a single, yeah, it is a single game ticket on StubHub. Oh, here, that's not oh, right. StubHub, that's okay, not, that's, well, not yeah, yeah. that's secondary market. That's not, okay, people, thanks for the call, Brian. People overpriced stuff already. They're trying to get out in front. That's that's someone asking, yes. too. That's not selling. I mean, selling but StubHub is not the ticket office. So, I mean, that, 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 a bit out of context is an understatement on that. Yeah, it's way out. It's way out of left field. It's like in another stratosphere to this point. I and I don't know what other collegiate programs in the SEC are lowering ticket prices in their football venues. If you could actually cite real information and bring that back to me, I'd be really interested to see that. I'm as angry as anyone that they keep rising in prices everywhere, but I don't think that's the case in a lot of places. I think I heard Ruskin and Zach say yesterday that Texas had had lowered prices in part of the stadium. Uh, you know, if you, I think if you wanted to, the upper deck corners, if you wanted to lower season ticket prices there to fill those up, I'd, I'd be on board with that. But it's about supply and demand, the basic economic principles of of, of a capitalist society. Supply and demand is what, what controls it, not winning and losing. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Coach, I know you've got a busy week, so I appreciate you making some time for us and our listeners. I always joke with Phil about this. He is not a superstitious guy whatsoever. You've been doing this a long time. Do you have any opening day, opening weekend rituals that you do each season before opening weekend? I really don't. I am a little superstitious, but that's usually uh, once the season gets going and Maybe you're on a little bit of a streak or something. You don't want to <laughs> change too many things uh, that you're doing. But opening weekend to me is it's always exciting to 
you know, to get to finally play somebody else. The players are tired of scrimmaging and practicing. and they want to see what's up, see how they do. And, you know, for, for me and our, you know, I guess our entire staff, we pretty much feel the same way. We're just ready to get this thing going. Let's talk about that staff for a sec, Coach, because you've been here 20-plus years. I know Clay Goodwin's been with you pretty much every step of the way. And then you think about adding Matt Hobbs a few years ago, Nate Thompson before that. I mean, you got – and Bobby Warnes now. You've got 30-plus years of assistant coach experience with you. How, how much has the continuity within your staff contributed to y'all's success as of late? Well, it's really big. And, you know, we've got – We've got a couple other positions, video coordinator, Zach Barr, and analytics director. And, you know, we find different ways to keep these guys on staff through different types of work. Uh, you know, DJ Baxendale pitched for us. So we've got a lot of former Razorbacks. And, you know, to me, keeping our staff together uh, is, is huge because it's not that way out there. People are jumping around all over the place, taking – more money here, more money there. And our guys have had every opportunity to leave over the last few years where they could have made more money. It's getting harder to keep people. Um, hopefully we can continue to take care of them and we can keep them here because the continuity of our staff is amazing right now. And I think the players feel it and they feed off of it. They know that we all get along, that we like each other. Uh, they can see it. It makes them feel comfortable. Uh, and it's, I, I think it, makes us or gives us a better chance just to play better throughout the season dave van horn with us on the mclarty daniel hotline i'm glad you brought up nil coach because we, we focus so much on that in football and basketball with conversations and it's ever it just as much a part of the of the process for you now how how has it changed how how have you approached it and and how has nil and the transfer portal uh went to shaping this year's roster well it's it's going to be that way every year. It's it's helped us fill in. Uh, we got hit pretty hard by the draft, especially with our young position players. Uh, I have to mention this. You know, we had the number one ranked class going into the draft. It was an amazing class. And we had four high school position players signed for $10.95 million combined. Those four guys got that much money altogether. And we lost all of them, obviously. It's hard to turn down $3 million a couple of times over, and another $2 million, $2 million. It was uh, pretty amazing. But So we've got to go out, and we've got to, you know, we've got to replace guys every year. And uh, it's different than any other recruiting. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. We, we sign them in November of their senior year, and then we just continue to recruit them until they walk in the door because of the draft and uh we don't get a lot of them and so we have to do it and nio money's given us an opportunity to get some kids because you know when you look at the lsus and the a&ms and the tennessees uh you know they're they're getting a lot of help and it's hard enough as it is and for us to stay at this level we've got to have nil um so it's something that uh, is big, big time concerning to our staff right now going forward, uh, recru- recruiting the kids that are going to be in the portal and transferring out this year. We're going to have to, we're going to have to have it. Coach, when you, uh, started putting the schedule together, you knew you were going to Arlington for a, for a big weekend next weekend. You got James Madison for four. Kind of what went into your calculus and, 
and setting the schedule up the way you did to open at home with the four-game set with James Madison? Yeah, well, the NCAA sets, sets our start date, which is Friday. Um, you know, it'd be nice if they'd give us a, an option to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we're trying to get four games in before we head to Arlington. So we uh, talked with James Madison when we were, you know, looking at the schedule and asked them if they would be willing to play a four-game ser- series and could they stay over on Monday. And we had, you know, four days to get four games in. If we had weather issues, we could double up one day, except Sunday, or excuse me, except Monday, because that's definitely a travel day for them. That's where we're playing at noon. And they agreed to it. It, it makes it easier than trying to find a Tuesday game. Uh, to have another day's rest for our pitchers before we go to that tournament, especially early in the year to give guys some rest. Because, you know, we don't have enough time to get these arms ready. And it's it's an ongoing issue with the NCAA to, to get them to let us bring guys back on campus early and start working with them to get them ramped up for this start date. Dave Van Horn's with us here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Coach, you mentioned arms there. I think a lot of fans know what you got in Hagen Smith. He's going to hit upper 90s. We know what we got in the spin rate with Tiger. What do you have in Mason Molina, the guy you got from Texas Tech this offseason? Well, he's a he's a high-carry fastball guy. He can pitch up in the zone. It's hard to, hard to get on top of it because it just stays up. You know, you can't, you know, baseball, you can't make it rise, but it, if you can make it stay up in the zone the way, you know, on the same plane like he can, it, it's just hard to hit. And, you know, Mason's been up and down since he's been here. Uh, he's been a little bit wild, but he's really good at working out of jams. And, uh, he throws, you know, we've got to get him to throw less pitches each inning. Um, you know, he's going to get a start this weekend and probably next weekend, but he's got to, he's got to show us that he can, you know, get a little deeper into the games because of the pitch count. And if he doesn't, you know, we'll have to move somebody else in that spot. Well, the good thing is he's probably going to have a solid infield behind him. Tommy and I were talking to a fan yesterday, and one of the things he expects out of your team each and every year is a great defensive infield. Coach, how much did your playing days at that position, particularly in the middle infield, still help you all these years later when it comes to coaching that position? Well, I think with any coach that, played the the sport that he coaches it's it's probably easier to uh, understand some things especially about middle infield play since I was a middle infielder I also played on played third but uh you know I oversee him and 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 you know frankly you just kind of demand it you just say hey we're gonna be good and if you can't you know you can hit a lot but if you don't play defense we're gonna have to find another position for you and you know, we jokingly talk about how, uh, you know, when I get the infielders together in the first practice, you know, and I make the comment, what do they call you when you're not an infielder? And they all just, the new guys just kind of look at each other and the older guys just kind of roll their eyes. And I say, they call you an outfielder. And that's, this is, this is the way we look at it. If you, you can play and you can hit, you can run. And you, you, you've got to be able to field and throw if you're going to play in the infield. If not, we're moving you out there. And not knocking the outfielders because we have, we've had some great outfielders. But infield is hard, really hard. And uh, if you give up too many errors, too many throwing errors, you don't finish off plays, you don't turn double play, you, you, will, not, you will not win at a high level, you know, day in and day out. Yeah. 
How has Peyton Stovall's injury um, changed your, your view from coaching and giving guys opportunities and kind of where's he at on the progress of getting back in a few weeks? Well, right now we're going to – we'll put uh, Peyton Holt over at second. You know, he played there probably the last 20 games of the season after, you know, Stovall got hurt. And uh, and so we'll we'll bring in Sprague Lott to, to play third to start out, and that's what he played a lot at Richmond. And he's a really good defender, and he's hit too. You know, he's uh, – He's a guy that's kind of sneaky at the plate. He'll have a couple of bats that doesn't look real good, and then he'll hit a double and a single, and you're going, wow, he had a pretty good day. But, you know, he's a defense-first type of guy, in my opinion, at this time. But Holt's doing really well. Uh, he was he was going to be our starting third baseman, and then when Stowball went down, we just felt like athletically we needed to move him up the middle. Um, Stowball's coming along. I mean, he got hit. And it's just a real tender part of the, the side of his right foot. Uh, he got hit by a pitch and a scrimmage and, you know, actually stayed in there and hit and hit a double. And he didn't run. We told him he didn't have to run if he wanted to stay in and swing it. And his next at bat, he got a single. And then uh, really started hurting him. And I knew he was in trouble. I had an x-ray the next day. And it, it, it has a, a fracture in there that did not have to be set with a screw or anything. So it's going to heal on its own. Um, uh, you know, four weeks probably. I'd say four weeks from now, maybe maybe a little earlier. But uh, they're doing everything they can to get that thing ready. And he was really playing well. I mean, still amazing, throwing a lot better now that his arms fixed. And it's uh, you know, the bat was really coming on. And that's the hardest part is the offensive part, seeing live pitching. And that's what he was so disappointed about. He just felt like he was getting it back because he hadn't swung against live pitching since, you know, really last April he didn't, and, and, you know, until this January. So he's behind there, but he was, he looked like he was going to be outstanding. When you think about getting ready for opening day tomorrow, kind of wait it out or, or give us a, a, an idea of how important the fall session and the fall ball and your fall world series is in preparing for the season, even though it's months ahead, when you have a few weeks before this season and the weather can, sometimes be sketchy how important has fall ball become to your program and acclimating the new players into into your system well fall baseball is incredibly important you know the the, the little fall series we have at the end that's to me that's not a big deal you know my when we get to that point in fall i just don't want anybody to get hurt uh ready to get off and start doing group work but you know the first four or five weeks of fall baseball it's probably the hardest time of the year for the players. It's always obviously really hot in September, early October. Um, we're grinding them out six days a week, scrimmaging a lot, hitting, running, throwing, lifting. They're trying to, especially the new guys, you know, getting acclimated, you know, being in college and being here. And even the transfers that come in from other programs, I'd say nine out of 10 of them are going to tell us how much more difficult it is here and it's better and serious and uh than it is maybe from where they came or it just means more and i truly mean it does mean more the guys see it and they know it's important to our fans and everyone around but fall baseball it gets you going and it's an extension of what we just you know what we're doing now we don't say we're starting in january we say we're just picking it up from where we left off and and we got three and a half weeks to get ready coach 
Tommy mentioned weather there. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of inclement weather Saturday through Monday. Any chance, I know you might have alluded to it this week, any chance the game time gets moved up a little bit tomorrow? That would probably be the, the, the easiest way to go about it. We're going to discuss that here. Um, I don't think they want to play in 30-degree weather or low 30-degree <laughs> weather for, you know, you can do it for a few innings at the end, but you don't want to start there, especially if the wind's blowing like they're talking about mm-hmm. now. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, pushing it up, I, I hate to do that but we'll do it because of all the fans. And I think there's supposed to be a flyover for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Wow. A little bit of a ceremony opening day thing. Uh, and we play at 12, that would be better. It would give us a chance, but uh, I think it's something that's going to be discussed, discussed this morning and, and we'll try to go at it. I, I just know that a lot of people are planning on driving in, getting here. And if, you know, if we have to do that, we need to get info out as soon as we can. If not, you know, we can't play at all. Worst case scenario, we'll find a weekend day, either Saturday or Sunday, when we play two. Saturday's supposed to be really sunny and in the low 40s, um, which is and down in the stadium when the sun's out, it's really nice, actually, at least for the infielders and most of the fans that are in the sun. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll try to make some decisions, hopefully, today, you know, what we're going to do. I think he broke some news. I don't think I've heard about a flyover until no. Coach just mentioned that. So uh, breaking news on the morning rush, first time ever in over Bob Walker Stadium. Well, Coach, I got one more fun one before we let you go. I know your players have already put out what they're going to walk out to this weekend and the rest of the season. Back in Dave Van Horn's playing days in the early 1980s, what walk-up song would you walk out to going to the batter's box back in the days we let you go? Well, you know, so do I have to use music from the 70s and early 80s? Anything you want. The floor is yours. <laughs> uh, who knows? You know, back then it was probably REO Speedwagon, wasn't it? <laughs> That'd be a good one. Time for me I to fly. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't imagine know, Norm was real big on walkout music, was he? <laughs> uh, yeah, because there was no such thing, and Norm would have just, you know, given you that that Wisconsin accent and that, that evil eye look. So we uh, we probably wouldn't have done it. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.